Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome to another chapter in 1 Corinthians. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. While you're doing that, since it's been a couple weeks, just a quick recap of chapter 8, because chapters 8, 9, and 10 are all Paul talking about our rights as believers. He's answering a question that they had. We'll talk about that in a second. And he's just going to keep on going with that for these three chapters, 8 through 10. So you need to know what was going on in eight because you know chapter nine, that's a whole new chapter for us. For Paul, it's just the next sentence. So remember back in chapter eight, the Corinthians had written Paul and they'd said to him, is it okay for a Christian to buy meat in the marketplace or to go to a restaurant and have meat when you know that that meat was sacrificed to a Greek God the night before at a festival? And it seems like from what Paul quotes them saying to him that the Corinthians are saying to Paul, they're arguing that, hey, We understand that the idols, gods, they're nothing. They're not even real. And it's just a cow. So it's okay for us to eat in the the, this meat that we buy in the marketplace that we know came from the temple. It's okay to eat in these restaurants that we know they got their meat from the temple. And Paul answers them and says, you are exactly right. You are exactly right that idols are nothing. You are exactly right that it's just a cow. You have every right to eat that cow, Paul says. But he goes on and reiterates to them what he has said before throughout this whole letter about unity and the importance of thinking of others in the church. He said, the question we ask ourselves as Christians is not, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Do I have the right to do this? The question we ask ourselves is, is this loving to my brothers and sisters? And if the answer to that question, is this loving to my brothers and sisters? The answer to that is no, then we don't do it. It doesn't matter if we have the right. It doesn't matter if we have all the knowledge. It doesn't matter if we understand it. That's not the issue, Paul says. The issue is love. Now, he is just continuing in chapter nine on that exact same topic. And in chapter nine, he's gonna explain how he does that. He's just told the Corinthians, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to act. Now he's gonna give them examples from his own life. So read along with me, 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the apostle? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles, the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it's written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this is written for us. Because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 
but I have not used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law, I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul's continuing on this idea of rights and now he's talking about himself. And he starts out with all these rhetorical questions and, and you know, they're phrased as, am I not free, am I not? Because the way he writes them, you're supposed to answer yes. It's one of those things like, you know, I'm free, right? I mean, aren't I? I, I I'm an apostle, right? Uh, we all agree I'm an apostle. He, he's, he's expecting them to say yes. And when he says things like, don't we have a right to eat or drink? Or is it only Barnabas and I that don't have the right not to work for a living? This is all headed to verses 11 and 12. He's laying out this argument that comes to a head in verses 11 and 12. If we've sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest? If others have this right of support, shouldn't we have it all the more? And he's referring to something that they perfectly understood but doesn't exist in our world anymore. He's talking about traveling teachers. What Paul is doing in the ancient world, traveling from city to city and planting churches, tons of people were doing that same thing. Now, they're not planting churches, obviously, but there are traveling teachers from both the schools of philosophy as well as the mystery religions in the Greco-Roman tradition. And they are going from city to city, and the schools of philosophy are trying to create new schools of philosophy. And the, the priests of this particular uh, mystery religion, say the, the religion of Mithras, who's the sun god, right? they're trying to create the cult of Mithras in that city. Like, this is totally normal. While Paul is in Corinth preaching Jesus, there will be sophist philosophers, stoic philosophers, Epicurean philosophers who will all be preaching, quote unquote, their gospel. Because, you know, gospel, for us, it's a religious word, but for them, it just means an announcement, an announcement of something good. Same with the word apostle. Apostle just means someone who's sent. It's a messenger. For us, it's a religious word. But in Paul's day, it was just, it was just a word. Paul was an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the good news. He was the messenger of the good news of Jesus. But there were apostles of the Stoics, 
People who were sent out, that's what apostle literally means, people who were sent out from the school of the Stoics, say in the city of Athens, to preach the gospel of Stoicism, the good news of the Stoic philosophy. There's people doing that all over the Greco-Roman world when Paul is doing what he's doing, which is traveling around trying to create Christian churches, just like the philosophers are trying to create centers of philosophy, just like the priests of the mystery religions are trying to create cults of the mystery religions. That is totally normal. And he's saying to them, hey, I have the same rights those guys have. Because the way those guys were supported, if you were, you know, if I'm a Stoic philosopher and I'm sent out as a traveling teacher from the school of philosophy in Athens to Corinth, right, I will go and I will preach in Corinth. Because again, that's totally normal. We see that in the book of Acts. Paul goes into cities and he goes to where people talk and preach and, and share ideas and he starts talking about Christianity. Th that's normal in their world. I would go there, I would start to preach Stoicism, I would explain the philosophy, why you should follow it, how it should help you, and I would try and gather people around me. But it would be expected that the people who listened to me would give me something because I've preached to them and so they should pay me something. And those people who come around me who are more interested, who want to hear more, or they want to become Stoics, they want to be part of the school, they are going to pay me. That's how I, as a traveling teacher, live. I get my food, my drink, I get my money, traveling, spending money, all that from the people in the city where I work. But Paul's not doing that. Paul's doing something totally different. He is going to cities and he is not asking people to pay anything as he plants a church. He has asked other churches to support him financially. And when he doesn't have money, he makes tents. He is a tent maker, it's where we get the term. He literally sews tents for a living. And he'll do that and preach the gospel on the side. Paul's doing what we still do today, which is normal. When I went to Africa as a missionary with Wycliffe Bible Translators, I didn't ask the Africans where I lived to pay me. I asked you to pay me. I asked you back here in another church to pay, to send me to them. Now, getting your support in the city, that's not a bad thing. Jesus does that when he travels around. He sends out the 72, and you remember, he tells them, don't take money, don't take food, don't take clothes, go into the city and stay with someone, eat eat what they feed you, wear what they give you. They were being supported in the town. That was totally normal. But Paul's not doing that. He is giving up that right. So all of this comes together with him saying to them, I deserve this, don't I? Like that would be perfectly normal. It's just like in the army. In the army, you don't pay your own way in the army. It's like a farmer. When farmers plant food, they expect to harvest and eat the food. It's like, this is totally normal. And all the Corinthians would have been nodding. Yep, that's exactly totally normal. And then Paul gets to the second half of verse 12. And I, I appreciate, I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. I appreciate that the NIV makes that sentence in the second half of verse 12, its own paragraph. Other translations don't do that, but they're calling out the fact that the second half of 12, that's Paul's conclusion. Remember, we've talked about how ancient writers write. They generally don't list all their facts and their arguments and then end with their conclusion. They generally list some of their arguments, then they have their conclusion, and then they'll list more of their arguments. That's exactly what Paul's gonna do. This is Paul's conclusion. We did not use this right. Paul says, I'm a traveling teacher just like the other traveling teachers. I have every right for you to pay me. 
That's normal. It's normal for traveling teachers. Heck, it's normal in the world for farmers and shepherds and soldiers. He says, it's normal in the Old Testament. It's part of Old Testament law. It's like, I have every right to ask you to pay me to preach to you. But Paul says, on the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, remember what he said to them in chapter eight. He said, be careful, chapter eight, verse nine, be careful that in exercising your rights, you have every right to eat that hamburger. You have every right to go to that restaurant and eat meat sacrificed to an idol. But be careful that when you use those rights, you don't put a stumbling block in front of your brothers and sisters in the church. And that word stumbling block is related to this word hinder. Paul says, be careful that as you know, your brothers and sisters are, are moving on in Christianity. They're coming closer to Christ. Don't do anything that would, would trip them up and make them fall. And this word hinder means to block. It, it has the same root. It's to stop someone from moving forward. Paul says, I could absolutely require you to pay me. Oh, but I'm not going to. I would never do anything, Paul says, that would in any way make it harder for someone to hear the gospel and to accept it. That's Paul's conclusion. That's the conclusion of all of chapter nine. Just like the conclusion to chapter eight was, hey, be careful that you don't use your rights and harm other people in the church. The conclusion to this is, hey, look, he's giving his own example. I don't use my rights. I put up with anything that I need to rather than hinder someone from hearing the gospel. But of course, as you know, verse 12 is not the end of the passage. So look what happens in verse 13. He's back to rhetorical questions again. And I've told you, this is the way people write. They make an argument and then they go back and they make it again, but they advance it a little bit. So now Paul says, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And in verse 14, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel. He's making the exact same argument he made on the other side of 12. He's starting out with an example, a rhetorical question. You know, before it was a bunch of them. This time it, it's really just one. This rhetorical question of like, you understand this is the way it works, right? If you're a priest, right, how do you get paid? People bring offerings in that. That's what you eat. People bring money and that's the money you get. This is, you understand, Corinthians, this is how it works. And the Lord has said, yep, that's how it's gonna work for my people as well. When my people go out and preach the gospel, then they're going to get paid for that. So Paul's saying the exact same thing he just said before 12. He's sort of looping back, but you notice it's a little stronger. Before it was like, oh, you know, don't I have this right to support? And this time it's the Lord has commanded, right? He's being more direct because that's what they do. They, they come back and they talk again, but they, they tell you a little more. So what's the next thing Paul's gonna say, right? He said, I have the right to this. Well, what's he gonna say? He's gonna say the second half of verse 12 again, but I didn't use that right. And sure enough, verse 15, that's exactly what he says. I've not used any of these rights. Now, what's he gonna say next? Because he's looped back on his argument. He's saying the same thing. He's being a little stronger, a little more direct this time. I expect him to talk about hindering the gospel because that's what he said before. I don't do these things. I give up my rights, lest it hinder anyone from hearing the gospel, lest it hinder anyone from coming to Christ. And that's not what he does. 
I expect him to say something like, I don't use these rights because I don't want you to think I'm like all those other preachers. Those traveling preachers, they're not telling you the truth, right? This, this is the gospel. Or I expect him to say something like, I don't use those rights because the gospel of Christ is, is priceless. There's no way you could ever pay for it. I don't even want you to think that you're paying for the gospel. I don't want you to have any idea that you're paying for salvation. I expect him to say something like that, to take the idea of hindering people and be more direct, just like he was before doesn't say anything like that. Why does Paul say he gives up his rights? Because he expects to be rewarded. He says in verse 17, he says, hey, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. That word reward, it means your salary, your wages. Paul says, if you don't pay me, then I still have to be paid. My, My payment is still out there somewhere. If you do pay me, Right? If not voluntarily, I'm simply just charging the trust committed to me. If you pay me to preach to you, Paul's saying, then, okay, that's my payment. Right? I, I'm owed something for doing this. Everyone is. That's what scripture says. The worker's worthy of his wages. So if you pay me, then I'm paid, and that's it. That's a transaction. But Paul says, if you don't pay me, then that payment is still out there. And he says, that's the same thing he's saying in verse 18, although it's a little difficult to translate and kind of get the idea across. But what he's saying is, I preach the gospel without asking for any money so that I don't use up my rights. Because if I don't use them up, then they're still out there as a reward, as a payment for me. And the implication in both these things, hey, if I don't get paid, my salary's still out there. Hey, if I don't use up my rights, then they're still out there. The implication is, then God owes it to me. Then God has to pay me. If you don't pay me, then God does. And he's just quoting Jesus here. I mean, Jesus says this kind of thing all the time. Don't store up treasure on earth, store it up in heaven. On earth, you could lose it. On heaven, in heaven, you never will. If you try and save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life, you'll save it. Jesus says, hey, if you pray out loud and everybody sees you and they compliment you on it, great, that's your reward. But if you pray silently before your father and no one sees it, oh, then your father has to pay you for that. He will make sure you're rewarded. And Jesus says, anyone who's given up anything for me or for the gospel, like they will get it back a hundred times over in this life and in the life to come. Like Paul's just saying the same thing Jesus said. Paul says, I give up my rights because I fully expect Jesus to pay me back. And wow, what you would pay me as my, my salary, my, my wages to preach to you, I mean, that is, that is nothing compared to what Jesus will give me. The, 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 the recompense, the wages, the reward that Jesus is going to give me. And I think this is brilliant. Like, this is why Paul is such a good writer. You know, up until now, he has been appealing to our better nature. When he says to us, hey, you have every right to eat that cow, but if it would harm your brother and sister, don't do it. He's appealing to us to be unselfish. What do we get out of that? What do I get out of not eating the cow? Well, nothing. I lose. I lose eating the cow. He's appealing to us being unselfish. He's appealing to love. He's appealing to us, oh, you want to take care of your brother and sister, right? You don't want to harm your brother and sister. And so he's been appealing to the the better angels of our nature, so to speak. And here, when I expect him to do the same thing, instead, what he says is, oh, I'm doing this because I'm going to get rewarded. I am proud of this. I'd rather die than have you pay me and I lose out. Why would I take $10 from you when I can get 10 million later from God? Like, (laughs) Paul's not appealing to the better angels of our nature. He's saying to us, 
What are you, a moron? Why are you using up all your rights now? Then God's got nothing to give you as a reward later. Every time you give up something for Jesus, Jesus said, you will get it back. Paul is saying to them, he said before, do this out of love, do this out of unselfishness, do this out of care and concern. And this time he's saying, no, do this because this is really good for you. Do this because you are going to get paid back in spades. Do this because you are going to boast and you are going to be proud. Because what happens when we give things up? Like what happens? I mean, think about these Corinthians. You've got a group of them who know that they can eat the, the cow and they can. It's fine for them to go to that restaurant and eat. And you've got a group that don't know that and really think that's wrong and that's me a problem. So these guys voluntarily, they stop eating meat. Now, every time there's a festival and there's meat in the marketplace and they walk by that meat, what happens? Like, don't you get a little resentful? Don't you have that voice in your head saying, ah, what's wrong with those people? You know, I have to give this up because of their immaturity. What's wrong with them? As we do, as we give things up, isn't there that voice in our head that begins to make us disgruntled? that begins to make us discontent. And what does Paul say here? Every time you walk by that market and you think to yourself, yep, I could buy that steak and have it for dinner, but I'm not going to because it might harm my brother. Every time you do that, Paul says, you will be rewarded. Every time you leave that steak sitting on the marketplace stall, now it's out there, God owes you and God will always repay. You're not going to get one stake. Jesus says, you're going to get a hundred. You're going to get a hundred in this world at some point, and you're going to get a hundred in the next life as well. Like Paul is saying to us, oh, be unselfish, give up your rights because wow, will it be good for you. And then he's going to go on in the next section in verse 19 through 23, and he's going to explain how that is for him. So he's just told the Corinthians, hey, when you give up, you're not losing, you're gaining. And now he's going to show an example. Okay, this is what it's like for me, right? And he says at the end, you know, I become all things to all people. When I'm with Jews, I'm a Jew. When I'm with Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. When I'm in the weak, I'm weak. And, and he's not talking about being duplicitous. Remember the context. The context is, I will put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. So he's not saying when he's with the Jews, he pretends to be a Jew and he hides his Christianity. And when he's with a Gentile, he pretends to be a Gentile and and hides his Christianity. We have the book of Acts. When Paul goes into the synagogue, he preaches Christ. When he goes to the Areopagus, to the Gentiles, he preaches Christ. He's not hiding who he is. He's not being duplicitous or, or trying to deceive anyone, but he's making sure that there's nothing offensive about him that might keep someone from the gospel. So that when he's with other Jews and they go out to a restaurant, he doesn't order the BLT, right? Because Jews can't eat bacon. He doesn't sit there munching down on a bacon sandwich while telling people about Christ. Why? Because they're not gonna be able to get past the bacon. Because it's gonna block them, even if they wanna come forward, that that's gonna keep them back. So Paul says, I don't do that. When I'm with Jews, I don't do things that would be a hindrance to them. Hey, when I'm in Gentiles, I don't do things that would be a hindrance to them. Jews won't have Gentiles in their homes. They think they're, they're unclean. They will not allow a Gentile to come and eat with them. 
But Paul, oh, in Acts, we see it. He's absolutely inviting Gentiles in to be with him. He, he is Jewish, but he's not standing on that. It would be a hindrance to, to be talking to a Gentile. And then at some point, like, you know, well, can we talk about this over dinner tomorrow? Oh, I, I can't eat with you. You're a Gentile, right? No, of course not. When he's with Gentiles, he's not going to do anything that would make it hard for Gentiles to hear the gospel. When he's with Jews, he's not going to do anything that makes it hard for Jews to hear the gospel. He is all things to all people, meaning he never puts any stumbling blocks because Paul's message is offensive. The message of the cross, the gospel, that you are sinful and you must repent, that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good you are. The only thing that matters is whether you accept Jesus or not. If you do not accept Jesus Christ, then no decision you ever make in life will matter. But if you do accept Jesus Christ, then every decision in life you make matters. That is offensive. You can't work hard enough to be accepted by God. You can't do anything to be accepted by God. It doesn't matter who you are, who your parents are, where you work, where you're from, nothing. All that matters is what you think about Jesus. That's an offensive message. And Paul wants to be sure that there is nothing else that is offensive. About a year ago, Tim came to me and he was talking about how we need to redo the lobbies. We need to, to, to sort of change the look, change the paint, change what's on the wall. Said, so, you know, 15 years ago when these lobbies were built, oh, that was great, right? That was all up to date and modern and people would feel very comfortable coming in here and everything, um, but it's not anymore. It's out of date and, and we need to change it so people feel comfortable in our church. And I will confess, being a missionary and having come you know, from a place where there are open sewers on the side of the road, and we were just kind of happy if there was some wood or something over it, so we didn't have to wash everything that got flushed out of the toilets running down the streets. I'm kind of like, you know, Tim, I don't think we need to spend money on that. They'll be okay. I'm a first world problems. You know, I'm sure our congregation will be just fine if we don't fix some of the cracked tiles and we don't repaint. Oh, this is a, not a good color. Yeah, no, the walls are painted. Let's just leave them. And Tim said to me, Jeff, the gospel's offensive. When you preach to people, that's offensive. You're telling them they must submit to God. Let's not make anything else offensive. Right? If people are going to leave our church, let's let them leave because we taught them the truth of the gospel. Let's not have them leave because they feel uncomfortable, because it feels cramped or crowded or cold. Let's make sure they leave because of the offense of the cross, not the offense of the building. And I had to say, you're right. The gospel is offensive. Nothing else should be. So, hey, we're, we're redoing the lobby. They're doing work on it right now. Paul's message is offensive, and he doesn't want anything else to be. And so then at the end of this passage from 24 to 27, he's doing that looping thing again. He's talking about what he's just talked about. He's starting with a rhetorical question again, but instead of being specifically about himself, now he's broadening it to talk about everybody. He was very specific about what he does. Now he's going to be more general, what we all should do. And Paul says, hey, you know, you, you get that athletes have to do this, right? Remember, he's told us, hey, you're going to be rewarded for this. What do athletes get? They get rewarded. If they win, they get rewarded. How do they win? They train. They train and they train and they train. They're disciplined, right? They don't have to go out and train every day, but they choose to. They choose to discipline themselves, discipline their bodies, discipline their time. They give up their rights. 
They give up their rights to tons of stuff to eat, tons of stuff to do, tons of time. Paul says, that's like us. Because remember, we're gonna get rewarded, he told us earlier, for everything we give up. Paul says, that's like us. And we're not, we're not running for, you know, I mean, they, they, they get a crown made of laurel leaves. It's like, oh, we get imperishable treasures in the kingdom of Jesus. He's just saying the same thing he's been saying, but now he's broadening it. And he ends that by saying, so I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Now, that's the first time he's ever said anything negative. Meaning, up until now, it's always been, you do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. This is the right thing to do. This is how you should live, right? You're gonna get rewarded. There's gonna be all these good things. And now he's saying, you know, there also are consequences to not doing this. There are bad things. And I've told you this before, ancient writers signal you what the next topic is gonna be. What's the next topic Paul's gonna talk about? What's the next thing he's gonna write to the Corinthians? He's gonna write about being disqualified. He's gonna write about the negative side of this. It's all been the positive side. Do this out of love. Do this to take care of your brothers. Do this because you'll be rewarded. Now he's gonna talk about, and you know there are consequences if you don't do that. Now that's not immediately apparent when you start reading chapter 10. I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, our ancestors were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses. Okay, where's he going with that? Oh, you know, he's already signaled. He's going to talk about that there are consequences to not following this principle. And we'll talk about that next week when we get to chapter 10. But think about what Paul has said here about our rights as Christians, what we do, what we can do. Now, if you're watching this on the Sunday it's been released, it's July 4th. 2021. It's Independence Day. It's the day in America that we celebrate that we declared our independence from the country of England. We said to the country of England, you don't have the right. You don't have the right to put soldiers in our house. You don't have the right to tax us when we have no say in it. You don't have the right to tell our ships where they can and cannot go. Those are our rights and we are asserting them. We are rebelling against you to take our rights. Now it's fine for a country to do that with a country. But as you celebrate Independence Day, remember that that's not how we live as Christians, Paul says. As Christians, we give up our rights. But when you see those fireworks and you eat the barbecue and all that, yes, celebrate the independence of America, but remind yourself that for me, as a follower of Christ, it is not Independence Day, it's give up your Independence Day. Every day is give up your Independence Day. You have the right to do that. But ask yourself, is it loving to your brothers and sisters? If it's not, don't do it. You have the right to do that. But ask yourself, is this going to hinder the gospel? Will doing this keep someone? Could it keep someone from coming to Christ? If it will, don't do that, Paul says. And don't do it because it's the right thing to do to protect these people. And don't do it because Jesus will reward you. You're not giving up anything. You are not going to get back in spades. But brothers and sisters, that's not how we think. We do not ask those questions. We ask the questions the same as the Corinthians asked. Can I do this? Is this okay? Here's what I think. Here's my argument. Here's my theology. Here's my application. So I'm good, right? As long as it's okay to do, then I can do it. We think exactly like they do. And let me challenge you this week on Independence Day, which for us reminds us that every day is give up your Independence Day. Let me challenge you today to ask yourself, is it loving for my brothers and sisters? 
Will this in any way hinder someone from coming to the gospel of Christ? As you move through your life and you make decisions big and small, right? Because one of their decisions was, where are we going to go to eat tonight? Ask yourself that question. Ask the Lord that question. See if he has anything to say to you. Now, we're not done yet. Chapter 10 is all about this question also. We're going to get more information as we go along. But start to ask yourself that question. As you make decisions in life, start to ask the Lord. Could this harm my brothers and sisters? Because I don't want to do it then. Could this hinder someone from coming to you? Because I don't want to do it then. Start to make decisions with that in the mix as well. Because that's what Paul says. And again, it's the right thing to do out of love and concern and compassion. Oh, but you will absolutely be rewarded for it. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Like, thank you for the, the truth of what Paul says. Thank you that, that he is a clever enough writer to, to say the things that it would never occur to me to say, but that we need to hear. That, that when we give up our rights, we're not losing anything. We are gaining. We are gaining a hundred times over. Just not yet. We are delaying a hamburger now for riches and joy later. Thank you. Lord, help us to live like that. Help us to remember these things. Help us to think as we go through our lives. Is this loving to my brothers and sisters? Could this cause them harm? Is there any way this could hinder someone from coming to Christ? And give us courage not to do it then if the answer to either of those questions is yes. Holy Spirit, help us. We don't want to become immobile. We don't want to get frozen and stuck. But we want to ask these questions. We want to live our lives in a way where you are proud of us, where we do exactly what Scripture tells us. Yes, we are free in Christ. We have all these rights, but we gladly say no. We gladly turn them away for your sake, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our brothers and sisters, knowing that you will absolutely reward us for that, just like Paul knew it. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.